Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. We're talking about league winning wide receivers. We already have a video out there on our league winning running backs. They are maybe some will cross over with our must draft players right at their ADPs. But these are guys that, you know, we're going to describe them as league winners because maybe they're not the greatest ADP values compared to some of those must draft wide receivers, must draft running back type videos. But what they are is a high upside play. Miles Sanders last year was a high upside pick, depending on where you took him, maybe the fifth round. You kind of knew as a rookie running back with another workhorse back there in Jordan Howard. This might very similar to a couple of running backs in JK Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor this year. This might take a month or maybe even two before this starts to pay off for me. So I'm going to draft him. I'm going to hold on to him. I'm not going to trade him away out of anger and sadness. My expectations are that I know that down the stretch, he can win it for me. The final six weeks of the season, if you had Miles Sanders on your fantasy team, you were feeling really, really good. Similar things can be said for some of the rookie wide receivers, mainly AJ Brown, if you want to talk about him over the final month of the season or so last year, when he started really playing close to like 80 to 90 to 100% of the snaps one week when he faced Marshawn Lattimore in the Saints, and he put up 15 points that week. He put up a bunch of top 10 wide receiver weeks, three top 10 wide receiver performances for AJ Brown during the final four weeks of the season last year. Those types of players, who are the guys that are going to absolutely win you a league? And I'm going to be talking about three of those players at the wide receiver position today. But before we get into it, if you could please hit that like button for me real quick and that big old subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube, bottom right hand corner, it takes one second of your time to tap it. And it really goes a long way as a creator here myself, an independent content creator to helping this channel grow organically and reach more people. If you're listening on the podcast, $50 giveaway once a week, more people are reviewing the podcast now. So maybe you got like one out of 10 chance, but it's totally free. You leave a review on iTunes, the Sound Vetry Show, and then you get a chance to win $50 every Sunday. I draw that person, just leave a way for me to contact you, whether it's Twitter, an email address, whatever you feel comfortable with in that post. Five-star review, something nice about the show. Really appreciate that as well. And Monkey Knife Fight is the sponsor of this video. There's a ton of other videos and they're sponsoring what you're seeing over my shoulder. This is, uh, these aren't rankings. This is just a bunch of player profiles that you can click on. There's a bunch that are going to continue to be added. These are the wide receivers and you click on them and it's just a little brief. We'll use some of them for today's show about the receiver, the changes in the offseason, target competition, what that receiver's uh, skill sets are, whatever it might be, right? Their, their pros, their cons, their stats, all of that from last year. That is on my Supreme Draft Guide. That is just one of the pieces of the puzzle. You have key stats, you have rankings, you have a bunch of different things, tiers, I'll write the player profile. So be sure to check it out. More premium analysis to come. And it's just $10 because of Monkey Night Fight. So go down below right now, use the promo code SALNFL, that's S-A-L-N-F-L, if you want to check it out on Monkey Night Fight, $10, the Supreme Draft Guide. You get access to every single thing you're going to need to crush your fantasy football drafts for the 2020 season. If you're not eligible for the offer anymore on Monkey Night Fight for a variety of reasons, you can go down below and just get it for the normal price on my website. If you have any questions, be sure to leave them in the comment section or hit me up on Twitter at SalVetriDFS. So what do you say we get into this first fella today? And I kind of already name dropped him <laughs> and it's going to be AJ Brown. And honestly, AJ Brown, he was a league winner last year for people, right? The final four weeks of the season, if I look at it, right? He played Oakland in week 14, Houston, New Orleans, and then Houston once again. He put up 33.6 points in week 14 against Daryl Worley in Oakland playing on almost 80% of the snaps. Do you want to know what he did that week? He ended up finishing as the wide receiver too. Week after that, he put up 25.4 points, went absolutely ballistic, caught eight balls, 114 yards and a touchdown, finished as a wide receiver seven. Then he puts up like 15 points against Marshawn Lattimore, wide receiver 24. Final week of the season, wide receiver six. Ends up catching eight balls for 124 yards and a touchdown. The man was just an absolute beast. His snap share really started to spike the second half of the year, like a lot of rookie wide receivers do. But just from the get-go, like AJ Brown was out there being an alpha. 
like week one of the season, not a lot of people remember AJ Brown scored or had 100 yards receiving week one of his NFL career, his first ever game, 100 yards, three receptions on four targets, 100 yards. Then you don't, you don't want to know how they reward him. He ran 14 routes that week. They let him run 13 routes the next week. But, but, but the thing that really did stand out was he gained about 10% of the snap share from week one to week two. If you want to look at it even more, he then has another huge game where he finishes as the wide receiver six in week four of the season against Desmond Trufant, not a good player last year. He ends up going for three receptions, uh, 94 yards and two touchdowns. So he starts to pop off. Now, what do they do after that? He only ran 12 routes that week. Well, the next week, they only let him run 15 routes. But again, look at the snap percentage. It goes from 44 snaps to 73% of the snaps. Pretty much after that week four game, you had AJ Brown running 70% of the snaps or more in like every single game after that. So it took him about a month to get up to that 70% snap share. Some weeks it dropped down to maybe like the mid 60s, low 60s, but it was pretty much 70 to 100% for a couple weeks during the season after that. I think he played 100% of the snaps three or four times last year. And what that all amounted out to for AJ Brown was as a rookie, he played on on average 72% of the snaps, which is very good based on him not playing anywhere near that the first four weeks of the season, 52 receptions over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns on 84 targets. He had a 19.5% overall target share. He was the number one receiver on this team, although it took him a month or so to get ahead of Corey Davis. He ended up getting there pretty quickly relative for most rookies. Now he played in a hyper-efficient offense where Ryan Tannehill was leading the league in true passer rating, play action passing. So he is due to regress in terms of touchdown percentage, right? 15.4% rate, nine touchdowns on a total of 84 targets. That's probably not going to continue. But what will happen probably is that this touchdown or the target share is going to go up for him. Maybe not the percentage, but I do think 19.5% probably climbs to maybe 24, 25% or more this year. But the overall volume of targets, 84 last year, if you just kind of take his targets over the final 12 games and put them for the first couple, he's a hundred target receiver last year. And based on his alpha performance last year and now being the true number one in this offense, and the fact that I personally believe that the running game will regress more than the passing game, meaning that they're going to pass more this year, uh, worse game scripts for them, just having to pass, not playing with a lead. I think the defense naturally gets worse as most defenses usually do after they kind of outperform themselves the year before. With that said, I think that AJ Brown's in, in line for like 115, 120 target potential season. And if you're going to tell me that this guy sees 40 more targets, yeah, there's no reason he can't score nine more touchdowns. But what will happen is that he's pushing 70 receptions. He's pushing 1,250, 1,300 yards. And that's the guy who's going to start to win you leagues. And the reason I think he's a league winner this year is because a lot of people still view this Tennessee Titans offense as a run first offense that's not going to throw the ball. And I think that's what Tennessee wants to do. But everything went perfect for them last year. Defense outperformed itself. Ryan Tannehill was the most efficient quarterback right there with Lamar Jackson in the entire league last season. Derrick Henry stayed healthy and was a beast for 1,500 yards on the ground. Having all of those things click, like literally everything was perfect. Having all those things click again is not going to be as likely. So AJ Brown right now, like, yeah, maybe he's getting drafted in a lot of your drafts as like wide receiver 18 or 19, but on average, he's going like outside the top 20 wide receivers. And I think he has a realistic shot to finish as a top 10, top five wide receiver if everything clicks in the opposite direction this year. Uh, the defense gets worse. They're playing from behind more. Ryan Tannehill has to actually throw it more than 25 times per game. He threw 23.8 attempts per game last year. If Tannehill starts to throw it 32, 33 times per game, like around the average or a little bit above that, you're going to see AJ Brown starting to see like two or three more targets a game. And if that's the case, that's when he starts to see that 120 uh, target season. He was number six in yards after the catch last year, number three in yards per reception at 20.2. And everything was just efficient. Number two in yards per target, number two in fantasy points per route run and fantasy points per target. He was just a beast last year on all of his opportunities. So if you're going to give this beast more opportunities, he's going to absolutely feast. The beast will feast. Let's put that on the Big Sally V album. If you're a producer out there, let me know. I got some bars I just can't produce. But Ryan Tannehill, 11 games, 
23.8 attempts per game last year, a little bit skewed because he came into a game early. So let's just call it like 26 attempts per game, 22 touchdowns on a 7.7% rate, 20, 228.5 yards per game. So he was efficient, hence the 7.7% touchdown rate outside of like Lamar Jackson. If you usually see that number, you're saying, okay, that's going to naturally regress and it, it will, but he was number one in play action passing, number one in adjusting yards per attempt, number one in true pass rating. This was the most efficient passing quarterback last year, right up there with Lamar Jackson. And he was even more efficient than Lamar Jackson. Lamar just had a higher touchdown percentage. He was number two in fantasy points per drop back. This team was just in general, wildly efficient, whether, whether it was Derrick Henry on the ground, whether it was the tight end, John Smith, the guy who got to break out a little bit since Delaney Walker wasn't there, but I think another breakout's coming this season, whether it was AJ Brown, Tannehill himself, everybody was just wildly efficient. So I'm looking at AJ Brown outside the top 20 and I'm saying, hmm, this is a guy who people are viewing outside the top 20 or right around wide receiver 20 that really has the profile of being a top 12 wide receiver. I don't have him ranked there right now, but I think that upside is, is easily attainable right there if just everything doesn't go right for the running game. And the thing that's really nice is they didn't really bring in anything in the offseason. They don't draft a wide receiver in the draft. They don't draft a tight end in the draft. So that's a check for Adrian Brown. No more competition for him. What do they lose in free agency? Delaney Walker, he's gone, right? They're going to put John New Smith in his place and they lose Tajay Sharp, who ends up going to the Vikings. So that's another receiver in Tajay Sharp, who I actually thought was a decent receiver. What do they add in free agency? nothing on offense, a blocking tight end, a depth running back, and then an offensive tackle. So no wide receivers are coming into this offense this year. What's going to come in is Jonu Smith after playing 12 games as a starter last year or so. Now he's going to be the primary guy, Jonu Smith last year, number eight in yards after the catch for tight ends, number three in fantasy points per target among tight ends, number two in yards per target. He ended up catching 35 balls, 439 yards and three touchdowns. If you watch my content, you know, I like Jonu Smith. He was a number 12 tight end for the final 12 weeks of the season last year. I think he has a lot of upside, but that's the biggest threat to competition for AJ Brown. And that's going to come in the middle to intermediate part of the field. If anything. Corey Davis is not scaring me. 80% of the snaps last year, he finished 68th in fantasy points per route run. Not good. He finished 33rd in yards per reception as a sort of deep threat at 14 yards per reception. Only saw 16% of the target share brought in 43 receptions on 69 targets for 601 yards and two scores. Not scared of that. And then Adam Humphreys, just a slot receiver out there, going to get some due in the middle of the field, probably plays somewhere around 55% of the snaps or so. He saw 47 targets in 12 games last year, ended up catching 37 balls for 374 yards and two touchdowns. So at the end of the day, I love me some AJ Brown, you might not think that he's labeled as a league winner because he should already be an elite type of a player. Like he should be a must draft receiver. And he's very close for that. Uh, I think the floor is a little bit shaky only because if he's the one to regress and Derrick Henry continues to perform well and they continue to run the ball on the ground and their defense stays good. Well, then yeah, he's going to finish around like a top 20 outside the top 20 wide receivers. But I'm putting my chips on the side that Derrick Henry is ready to regress. Ryan Tannehill is going to have to throw more because the defense gets naturally worse. And AJ Brown is out there beasting. Uh, Mini Julio is just out there murking people. Go watch AJ Brown's tape. After the catch, this guy was a monster. Again, sixth in yards after the catch. Nobody can catch him. He was a gazelle, a monster gazelle, a huge man just running amongst little children out there. So AJ Brown for me, a league winner. Numero Dos is another second year wide receiver in Hollywood Brown, the Baltimore Ravens first round pick from last year, the 25th pick in the first round, Hollywood Marquise Brown. And I like Marquise Brown a lot. And if you don't know much about Marquise Brown, well, you just know that he's a flashy receiver player out of Oklahoma. His final year at Oklahoma, he really broke out, right? 75 receptions. And he's a young player. He's coming. He's going to be 23, 23 and a half years old by the time the season starts. So he broke out at around 21 years old at Oklahoma. That's fine. He ended up catching 75 balls in 2018 there for over 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns, a 75% catch rate, 25.5% targets there, and a nice 17.6 yards per reception. He was just an absolute beast. And what does he do right away in the NFL? He just absolutely erupts in a wild fashion. We'll talk about the stat line in his week one performance against Miami and Eric Rowe in one of the worst secondaries last year, but what he did was just unreal on the opportunities that he had. But he was dealing with a bum ankle the entire season. In that specific game, he was dealing with a bum ankle. Every single game he dealt with it. He had an injury in the preseason and it impacted him all season long. He was still able to produce even with that injury. Now week one last year, he played on 15% of the snaps. He ran six routes 
six routes. Now, on average, players will probably run somewhere in like the upper 20s to like low 30s in routes run in a game, as long as their quarterback is throwing the ball like 30 to 35 times a game, right? Especially if you're the wide receiver one on your team. Six routes last year, he caught four balls on five targets. So he he ran six routes and was targeted five times on those six routes. Absolutely nuts. He catches four balls for 147 yards and two touchdowns. He finishes as the wide receiver five. I'm shocked he didn't finish higher that week. Finishes as the wide receiver five that week with 30.7 fantasy points. That's how he kicks off his NFL career. Literally running six times. You play in the backyard with your friends, you're running routes. You're running more than that in about 10 minutes. And this guy ran in the entire game because of that bum ankle. And he ends up erupting again, the number five wide receiver on that week. Now in the entire season, yeah, it started to be very hit or miss. He missed two games with the ankle injury. It started to become an issue. Now in week two, he was still fine. Finished as a top 25 wide receiver, scored a 16 and a half fantasy points. But after that, it was kind of all downhill until midway points. He would, he would pop off here and there, have a two or three touchdown game on a prime time game and finish as like a top 10 wide receiver, like in week 12 versus the Rams. And his overall stat line was 46 receptions, 584 yards as you can see right here on 71 targets. It was around a 19% target share. Look, it was pretty good. He saw a nice red zone target share, 20.6% kind of skewed because he didn't have a ton of overall red zone targets. And he had like three or four red zone touchdowns alone. He saw 1.2 deep targets per game. And he just played in an offense that really didn't help the wide receivers. You can see right here, Lamar Jackson stats. Obviously, Lamar Jackson wasn't helping receivers in a major way when you rush for 175 attempts for over 1200 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground, only throwing for 208 yards per game. But he did lead the league in touchdowns with 36 touchdowns which is probably one of the wildest stats of last year, a 9% touchdown rate. And look at the stat at the bottom. Baltimore is dead last in pass plays per game, 29.3. So the fact that the quarterback on a team that was dead last in the league in passing plays per game could lead the league in touchdowns on that wild 9% rate. Obviously he's the MVP. Obviously we know what Lamar did on the ground, but it's just wild to me that you could be dead last in pass attempts per game and lead the league in NFL touchdown passes when a team like the the Atlanta Falcons are out there and Tampa Bay is out there throwing wild amount of times per game, 42 times a game or so. And that's like 13 more than you're throwing per game and you're still ending up above them in touchdown passes. Crazy stuff from Lamar and Baltimore last year. Unlike what I talked about in Tennessee, I don't know if Baltimore is going to regress. Their defense looks even better based on their draft and what they did there, drafting a, a pretty high-end linebacker in the first round. Everything looks really good for Baltimore. Their offense probably got better, if anything, just by Hollywood Brown getting healthier. Mark Andrews should take on more snaps with Hayden Hurst not there. They draft J.K. Dobbins in the draft that you can see right here. They draft Devin Duvernay, a wide receiver who can play the slot as sort of a plus slide slot receiver and take over in the slot for probably a Willie Sneed. You're probably going to look at some point in the season and see Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin on the outside, two second year receivers, and a rookie in Devin DuVernay in the slot. Mark Andrews only been in the league a couple of years. So a very young team. Obviously, Lamar Jackson has not been in the league all that long either. The biggest loss for them was Marshall Yonda in the offensive line decided to retire. So they tried to replace him in the draft with Tyree Phillips and Ben Bredesen, some offensive line pieces at the guard position uh, in, in free agency. That's all they really did there. But this team, I think it's going to run again. So that's the one downside for Hollywood Brown. If they're going to be like only throwing the ball 30 times per game instead of like the league average around like 35, 36, it's really hard for Hollywood Brown to break out. But when you look at his stats last year and you see that on a bum ankle the entire season, he was able to put up the production that he did. What happens if he's healthy? What happens if his 71 targets now that he's healthy and maybe there's a little bit regression towards more passing for Lamar now goes to maybe 95, 100 targets and he's producing in a similar way, maybe not as efficient, but the more volume allows him to continue to produce. And he's now a top 20, top 15 wide receiver potentially. If this Baltimore offense goes from just dead last in pass attempts per game, to let's just say 19th, 20th, right? They just did not even in the top half of the league, but they regressed that much. It's going to help Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews in a major way. Mark Andrews will probably cement himself as a top three tight end. And Hollywood Brown right now being drafted around the wide receiver 30 to 35 range, I think would cement himself as a top 25 and a wide receiver two, a top 24 wide receiver. The target competition for him is going to be Mark Andrews. You can see right here, Miles Boykin, second receiver. Willie Sneed, a former Saint, a veteran. It seems like he's been in the league for so long at this point, has dealt with some major injuries, but not really going to be much of a threat. Devin Duvernay, the rookie, I think will be a 
threat to Willie Sneed, and then Nick Boyle, the backup tight end, who should see more work now that Hayden Hurst is no longer there. Just quick profiles on these guys. We know who Mark Andrews is. He was a monster last year, fifth in tight end targets and fantasy points per game, number one in tight end deep targets per game with 20, number one in fantasy points per route run for, tar- for tight ends. He only played on 43% of the snaps. That's kind of what he's done in back-to-back seasons now. Um, just doesn't play a lot of snaps, but does run a lot of routes out there. He ended up catching 64 balls for over 850 yards and 10 touchdowns. 10 touchdowns led the league. It was on a 24% target share, 15.6 touchdown percentage is likely to come down. But if his targets go from 98 to maybe like 110 this year, because Hayden Hurst isn't there, that might be able to make up for it. Now the touchdowns might drop from like 10 to eight, but the overall receptions maybe go to like 75 instead of 64. The yardage goes from 850 to maybe pushes a thousand yard season and he makes up for it. I have him right now as the wide receiver or the tight end three this year. Miles Boykin, a second year player who never really got to play much. He dealt with a little bit of injuries. He was kind of overshadowed by Marquise Brown and some other veterans on this team. They didn't pass it a lot. So it wasn't like weapons got to come in and really show their stuff because if they weren't passing a lot already and you now get an opportunity on this team to show what you can do, but you're only getting one to two targets a game, that's not great. But he did play decent when he did get to play. He played in 12 games. He had 13 receptions, 198 yards and three touchdowns on 22 total targets last year. And he did see 15.2 yards per reception. So he was sort of efficient when he actually had opportunities. Willie Sneed, the opposite was true. 1.41 yards per route run was 86 in the league. Very inefficient. Only saw a 10% target share. Did see five touchdowns, but just 31 receptions, 339 yards. And then lastly, Devin Duvernay, a rookie out there, uh, is going to be somebody who's coming out of the slot. I think he's going to have a lot of upside as well. We can look at Devin Duvernay's uh, profile overall on my website in the Supreme Draft Guide. Go get it. Banner on the screen. Link down below. Just $10 right now. You can see the third round pick right here, Devin Duvernay. 2019 stats in college. Went over 1,300 yards, almost 1,400. Played a ton out of the slot as well. 97.4% of his snaps out of the slot. And I think that's where he can be an advantage for the Baltimore Ravens. They play a lot of two tight end sets, but if they are going to pass, he'll probably move into the slot. So these are what the profiles look like. They're going to be enhanced. They're going to be added a little bit more and dressed up, but these are what the profiles look like if you want to check them out over on the Supreme Draft Guide. So that will be the wide receiver two in terms of the second one we talk about in this video. First, AJ Brown, then Hollywood Brown, both the Brown brothers. I didn't even notice that in terms of league winning wide receivers. Let's get to our final guy and really an honorable mention right now. So the honorable mention for this is going to be Michael Pittman. And honestly, the reason he's not an actual, say, league winner right now, you can put him in that category. The reason I kind of classify him as an honorable mention is mainly because there's no rookie camp, right? There's probably going to be no preseason. As of me recording this, they've already canceled half the games and are already really strongly debating. And it seems likely that they're going to cancel the entire preseason. AJ Brown had the luxury of having hundred yards in his first game last year as a rookie. He broke out like week one, pretty much, right? But but he was kind of inconsistent in terms of the snaps that they were giving him and the routes they were letting him run. But he, him and DK Metcalf, those guys are kind of standouts, right? Hollywood Brown breaking out in week one, but then really not doing much for much of like the next uh, six, seven games after week two. That's what rookies are going to do. They're just not going to get a ton of consistent playing time. They're going to take a little while to break out on the league. Michael Pittman, if it would have taken him three or four weeks, then yeah, I think that that's okay to put him out here as a, a league winner because like some of the other guys we talked about down the stretch is when I want him to break out. But the fact that there's no rookie camp, no preseason, it might take like an extra one to two weeks for him to just gain snaps in this offense and really start to break out. I personally think he's going to start right away as the X receiver. Philip Rivers used to deal with when he was with the Chargers. So I think Pittman should be fine, but just because of that little bit of uncertainty, not having the rookie camp, not having the, the preseason, all that type of stuff, I think it's going to hurt rookie wide receivers more than any other player uh, out there because rookie wide receivers rely a lot on chemistry with their quarterback running backs rely on their own instincts and their offensive line which at that point you don't really need too much of a chemistry with compared to a wide receiver needing to know the route progressions when the quarterback's releasing the ball and timing with the quarterback michael Pittman was a beast last year over 100 receptions over 1250 yards and 11 touchdowns with usc he has over 110,000 youtube subscribers on his uh, youtube channel with his girlfriend so check that out as well another bonus for him coming from a creator to another creator but he saw 133 targets 26 and a half percent came out 6'4, 223 pounds has the mold of this elite wide receiver one and again they're already saying they want him to be uh, the wide receiver one on the outside Dwayne Bowen Alshon Jeffrey comps coming out of college very good to see didn't play a lot 
out of the slot, which I don't expect them to use him out of the slot here. Paris Campbell will probably play out of the slot for the Colts. He only played 7% of his snaps out of the slot last year, but he did play 17.1% in 2018. So he does have that experience. So Michael Pittman for me, yeah, I do think he's one of the better rookie options based on his ADP going right around wide receiver 50. I prefer him to Jerry Judy this year. I prefer him to CD Lamb this year. I prefer him to like guys like Jalen Rieger potentially this year, depending on what Alshon's injury looks like and Deshaun Jackson's status come week one. So he's one of the guys that I really like drafting out of the rookies because I think he's going right into his starting role, similar to Denzel Mims, right? I think they're going right into starting roles in this offense as potential down threat options. Now, I think this is what you're going to see in the offense. Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton on the outside, Paris Campbell in the slot, some combination of Marlon Mack in the backfield with Jonathan Taylor, and then Phil Rivers, the obvious quarterback. If that's the case, I like Michael Pittman's chances. I think it allows T.Y. Hilton to go back to sort of this, this Z wide receiver on the outside that's going to run a lot of go routes. Michael Pittman, once he learns the route tree, will be able to use a lot of that and actually be a, a decent weapon on the outside as the X receiver. Paris Campbell comes back in the slot after playing just seven games last year, where he only saw 24 targets on 18 receptions because he was injured. I think you're going to see him improve now that he's potentially finally healthy, like Paris Campbell last year. Look at this. He missed two games with an ab injury. He missed four games with a hand injury. He missed three games with a foot fracture. Everything went wrong in the rookie year for the guy, but he was still able to get tough out there and suited up for seven games. His final year at Ohio State, Paris Campbell, 90 receptions over a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns on a hundred targets, 90% catch rate. So I'm excited to see what Campbell can do in the slot. Very young team out there in terms of their backfield with rookie Jonathan Taylor going to get a lot of work. Paris Campbell, second year receiver in the slot. And then you're going to have Michael Pittman on the outside. T.Y. Hilton last year, he was also injured, just played 10 games. He ended up seeing 11.1 yards per reception, which was 81st in the league. We're used to his yards per reception being very high in downfield. First year with Brissett kind of capped that a little bit. They changed his role to not be as much of a deep threat last year, T.Y. Hilton, but to be really more of an intermediate route runner. And I mean, he had a 24.6% like red zone target share. So that just kind of shows you how they were using him more. They're using him as the go-to guy, whether it was on uh, moving the change for first downs or in the red zone. Some other competition pieces in Indy will be like Zach Pascal, Jack Doyle, the tight end, but nothing major. So I think he's going to be an honorable mention only because he's a rookie, doesn't have a ton of experience. And the fact that they're taking away his camp from him is going to leave more of a lasting mark, at least maybe a one or two week uh, further breakout period, right? If he's going to break out this year, he's going to be a league winner. It might take one or two more weeks for that. But if we're just hoping that he's there at the final six to eight weeks of the season, I think he'll have more than enough time to acclimate himself in the offense and in the NFL. So thank you so much for tuning into this video, the league winning wide receivers. Please, if you enjoyed it at all, hit the like button before you go and hit that big old subscribe button. It is the best thing that you can do for free to support this channel and my work. Let me know down below who are your league winning wide receivers that you at least think one or two guys that you can see as being league winners this year. Let's not talk about the obvious um, Michael Thomas is right in, in, in Devante Adams. Some guys that people aren't talking as much about or you think are being a little bit underrated. This is my website. Uh, Fantasy Sports Focus is just one of the landing pages right here. You can check it out. Uh, this is where you can get the Supreme Draft Guide. You can end up getting it for only $10 thanks to Monkey Knife Fight above. All the information for that is right down below in the description. You can just tap that. Or if you just want to go to Monkey Knife Fight, use the promo code SALNFL, S-A-L-N-F-L, deposit $10, play in one game, right? You just play a dollar or two in a game and it triggers an email to me that says, send that fellow the draft guide, let them go win their leagues. I'm telling you right now, there's a ton of information in this. There's only going to be more as the summer months go on. As we get into August, I'm going to load up even more info into this. Heading into September, it'll be just a peak of information for you to dominate your drafts in August and September. So thank you so much. Or if you want to draft earlier. So thank you so much. Like and subscribe before you go. My name's Sal. Reach out to me on Twitter at DFS with any questions or in the comment section below. And I will see you all in the next one.